welcome again to Alive Family Church. We're so glad to be with you guys. We are in week three of our new series uh, that we've been journeying through. This is week three of Love Handles. And so, yes. yeah, we're getting raw and real about relationships, looking to God's word to help us. Um, you know, and, and again, as we mentioned at the beginning of every message in this series, uh, this is a little more PG-13 of a series. And specifically today's message, I would say, is the most PG-13 of all of them that we're doing today. So again, just as a warning, if you have kids in here with you, we have a great kids ministry. Uh, if you don't want to have that awkward conversation uh, this afternoon about mommy, what does that mean? Uh, then I'm just giving you the warning right now. Uh, so that way we can go there. But it's, we're going to have a lot of fun in God's house today as we open up his word. Yeah, even those of you joining online, just be aware of kids that are around. Yes, uh, and online as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah, little years. Awesome. So um, we've been enjoying this Love Handles series. Hopefully you guys have as well. Just a re- quick recap in case you weren't here for all of the weeks. Week one, we talked about what is your vision. And we talked about the importance of having vision and purpose for your current season of life. And kind of throughout this whole series, we've used marriage as the perspective or the lens that we're talking about everything. And so week one, we talked about what is the purpose of your marriage? Like, yeah, you guys love each other and you're attracted to each other and all of that. But from a heavenward perspective, what is the purpose? Like, why does your marriage exist? What is the purpose? Considering having some kind of purpose statement within your marriage, that just helps solve a lot especially when we started talking about conflict. And same for those of you that are single, Mm -hmm. um, asking yourself, what is the purpose of this season? What is the purpose of my singleness from the God word perspective? And then week two, we talked about, last week, we talked about winning at communication and conflict. We talked about a lot of really great practical stuff in that series, had lots of great laughs, (laughs) because when two totally opposite people come together... um, Sparks fly. Sparks fly in lots of different ways. Is that a Taylor Swift song? I don't know. Sorry. I don't know. Is it ringing in here? No. Is the audio fine? Okay. We're good. good. Okay. Um, And the big day, each week we had a discussion question. So last week the discussion question was, when is a time every day as a married couple that you can connect and communicate about the day? Um, So that's where we've been. That's where we're at. And today where we're going, this morning we are going to be talking about sex and intimacy. Everybody say sex. Just break the awkward elephant in the room or say that word a lot. Let's get comfortable in that today. Um, you know, this is a, one of those heated topics, obviously. Uh, it's so important when we're talking about the health of relationships and getting a handle on love God's way. Uh, but it's also the source of a lot of dysfunction, a lot of betrayal, a lot of hurt, a lot of, a lot of damage, a lot of baggage, right? And so uh, we do need to go into those spaces with the Lord's help today and trust that, man, his way is the best way. And we're going to have a lot of fun as we talk about this. But let's take a look at the scripture we've been kind of opening up with every week just to get God's whole heart on all of this when it re- deals with our relationships. And it's a scripture found in John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus is speaking, and in the Amplified, he says, The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. But he says, he says, I, Jesus came that we may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows, right? And so God wants our relationships to thrive, not just survive. And even when it comes to sexual intimacy and all of that arena of our life and relationships, he wants that to be blessed too. We got to know that God's heart for this is for us, not against us, right? And so we're going to, in that vein, kind of journey into our discussion today. Awesome. Okay, I got to ask one more time. We're using new mics. Is it echoey at all? A little bit. We're working on it, so just keep pushing forward. Just keep on going. Awesome. Praise God. Okay. Awesome. Okay, so we're talking about our our love handle for today is sex, God's way. Can we open up in prayer and then continue? 
Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for this morning. God, we thank you um, that sex is your idea and that it's not a topic that we should shy away from in church. And so, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're our teacher, you're our guide, you're our standby. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you into this area of our life. You created us as sexual beings, and we're not ashamed of that. And so, God, we invite you into this part of our life. We invite you into this conversation. You be the leader of this discussion about what your word has to say about intimacy And Lord, we trust you for um, health. We trust you for strength. We trust you for life and life more abundantly in this aspect of who we are. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. So number one, we've got three thoughts under the love handle of sex God's way. And the first thought is this, that sex is God's idea. Yes. Sex is God's idea. The world has perverted it, but God was the one that came up with it. Mm -hmm. And that's just a huge filter as we talk about this topic to understand that it was God's idea. We see that. We've talked about this scripture a lot this series, but in Genesis 2.24, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. God created sex. He is the one that came up with the idea. He is the one that made it work. He is the one that made a male and a female to fit together as one flesh the way that we see in Genesis 2. He's the one that put nerve endings in certain places. He's the one that has a whole book, the Song of Solomon, that is about these things, right? And God's not ashamed of sex. You know, sex within the context of marriage, a man and a woman coming together in the context of marriage, was God's idea. And he's not ashamed of it. He celebrates it when it's done the way that he designed it to. Yeah, and he he made it for a number of reasons, too. Like when we look to the scriptures, we see that, man, there's multiple purposes for sex in, in marriage. The first one that we see is pretty obvious that I think we all can agree on is for procreation, right? God said in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, in the very beginning, he said, as as he created Adam and Eve, the first male, the first family, then God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue that. And I just want to say this up front, a lot of you guys here at Alive Family Church, you are crushing this command from the Lord. Absolutely correct. We we joke as a staff all the time, Alive Family Church is very much Alive Fertile Church because our our acronym is AFC and AFC is starting to stand for Alive Fertile Church. So well on you, keep being scriptural. Every time they say, hey, I'm pregnant, I'm like, church growth, praise God, right? Like, let's just build this thing one hot, spicy encounter after another, all right? So... Good on you, all right? So obviously the first one is procreation. The second one is oneness or intimacy. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this in our next point and more in de- detail. But as Erica read in Genesis 2.24, a male and a female shall leave, husband, or leave father and mother and be joined together as one. There's a oneness element to sex that God created on purpose for a purpose. And we'll talk more about that as well. And then the last one I think sometimes we get a little ashamed or bashful or like uh, about is for pleasure. Hello. Can I get a good amen? Amen. Like for pleasure, like Proverbs chapter 5 verses 18 and 19 says, may your fountain be blessed. May you rejoice. It's a good thing. In the wife of your youth, as a loving doe, as a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always and may you ever be intoxicated with her love. God's saying, this is a good thing. And this is for fun and this is for pleasure. I did this on purpose for a purpose. And all the people said, amen. amen. Praise God. Yes. Right. 
And so that's the first thing we need to talk about is, you know, obviously that God is the author. He's the creator of, of sex. The, the second thing we really want to spend some time with is, number two, sex is a form of intimacy. We need to talk about that. Yes. So God made sex. It was his idea. He came up with all of the things about it. He's the one that knows how it works best. He created, like Eric said, for procreation, oneness, and pleasure. But why? Why? Part of the... Part of uh, the reason for it is the oneness and the intimacy. Mm-hmm. Further on um, in Genesis 2, Genesis 2.25, it defines um, Adam and Eve's marriage. And it says, and they were both naked and the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Mm-hmm. A husband and wife should have intimacy in a way that they, ha- they don't have intimacy with anyone else. Yeah. You know, I've heard it said that the, one of the most, you know, the special things about a marriage is that we share our life with a lot of people, and a lot of people know a lot of things about our life, but when it comes to the relationship of a husband and a wife, there's things that happen in the bedroom that only they know about. There's an intimacy there. There should also be an intimacy in, in parts of your heart that only the, the Lord and your spouse know. There's this oneness and this intimacy and this imagery of Adam and Eve standing before one another naked and unashamed. Yes, they were physically naked, but I believe it represents they were they were naked they were fully themselves yeah. within their marriage there was safety mm-hmm. within their marriage there was intimacy and there's all different types of intimacy right there's yeah. emotional intimacy and there's um, spiritual intimacy right. there's sexual physical intimacy and all of those need to be firing on, on full cylinders for a marriage really to be healthy but really sexual intimacy is just the full expression of the intimacy in all of the other areas as well yeah when they're all when all the th- three different forms of intimacy are kind of firing all cylinders that's when sexual intimacy becomes the best or the most enjoyable right for those of you guys that are married or have been married or in a serious relationship uh, with a husband and wife for a while, you, you understand this, that sexual intimacy, it, it starts long before the actual act or experience, right? If you're doing this thing right, right? It's, it's really how you treat each other throughout your day, your week, and your month, right? We've heard it said this way, that sex is a 24-hour event, not a however many minute experience, right? Uh, sex does start in the kitchen. We'll make sense of that in a second. But I think it's also important to realize that men and women are different. Hello, right? And we're different even the way we engage with different forms of intimacy. Uh, We've heard it taught this way that men are like waffles and women are like spaghetti, all right? And if you're hungry this morning and you want to put two together, we'll call you Buddy the Elf, put some chocolate on it, and we'll be good, right? Uh, But men are like waffles, women are like spaghetti. And, And here's the deal. Men make love to feel loved. Women need to feel loved to make love. Does that make sense? So men, like, like, like what, let me talk about the waffle brain for a second in a dude. All right? I'm a dude speaking from experience, all right? <laughs> Dudes' brains are like waffles. And what that means is we can go to the sex box instantly. All right? We have all these compartments, and we can go there no matter how we've been treating our wife, no matter what the heck has happened that day with the kids, no matter how we're doing financially. Like When we enter that room, it's game time. All right, like, like we, can, we can go there and we're visually stimulated and it don't matter if I've been treating my wife like crap. It's, we're in this box now and my body wants to do one thing and one thing only, right? A lot of you guys are laughing or hitting your spouse, all right? We, we understand that. Women are like spaghetti. If you look at a plate of spaghetti, every noodle piece touches the other. It's all intertwined, all right? 
So one thing affects another. And if I pull on this end, I'm pulling on the other end. And so it, it creates a little bit of more difficulty of getting to that place to have some sexual intimacy, right? Men, husbands, this is why you not cleaning the house or helping with the kids affects the bedroom, right? This is why forgetting to comment on her amazing outfit or dress that day affects the bedroom. This is why watching football all day without any type of human interaction with your wife affects the bedroom. They don't have a sex box. They can't just go there at 9 o'clock at night. It is a daily 24-hour putting stuff in the tank, caring, having intimacy emotionally, having intimacy spiritually, and then hopefully, in the name of Jesus, having intimacy <laughs> sexually. Praise God. Can I get a good amen? Yes. Is this some good preaching this morning? Especially Come on. Especially from the ladies. A good amen from the ladies. <laughs> like, right, right, ladies? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Change a diaper and we'll see how that goes, right? Yeah, it's yes. like... So sex is one type of intimacy, but it's an important part, right? Married couples, we'll read a scripture about it here in a minute. Married couples should be having sex frequently. We've heard it said this way that sex is like the glue of marriage. Um, And it's what holds a husband and wife together. It's a strong bond that's meant and designed only for the safety within a marriage. Um, and the more it happens, the more connected a husband and wife are. Um, I've got a scripture I want to read. It's, it's a lengthy one. It's in 1 Corinthians 7, 2 through 6 in the message translation. It says this. It says, it is good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and to provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality, the husband seeking to satisfy his wife and the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. Abstaining from sex, from sex is permissible for a period of time if you both agree to it, and if it's for the purpose of prayer and fasting, but only for such times. Then come back together again. Satan has an ingenious way of tempting us when we least expect it. I'm not, under, I, I'm not understand commanding, commanding these periods of abstinence, only providing my best counsel if you choose them. So Paul is saying by the inspiration <laughs> yeah. of the Holy Spirit of God, married couples have sex. Write that down. Take notes, all right? <laughs> yes. If you got one takeaway, have sex. Like, it's important to have sex, to have sexual intimacy. This is important, right? It is. And that's why we're talking about it on a Sunday morning. It's all over scripture. You know, it's interesting. We came across a a statistic this week Mm. that said sexual activity across all demographics, across all ages, all types of in-person sexual activity has been on the decline Mm. over the last 20 years. And it's actually currently at the lowest that it has ever been in human history. Sexual activity across all demographics, across all ages. The same study went on to say that 50% of married couples struggle with sexual intimacy. 40% of married couples struggle with emotional intimacy. Mm-hmm. That's why we're talking about it That's this morning. About. Yeah. Because it's God's idea. And it's glue, and it's something to be celebrated within the context of marriage. But for whatever reason, even within marriages, even within marriages within the church, Mm. sexual activity is on the decline to the lowest point that it's ever been in human history. We'll talk more. Not here at a live family church, though. (laughs) Not in this house. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, 
So yeah, I want to talk about this from God's perspective. God wants the marriages within his church to be flourishing. It's time for the church to reclaim the beauty of sexual intimacy within marriage for procreation. I think we've got that one down, as Eric was saying, Mm -hmm. oneness and for pleasure. And just on a super practical note, it's important within marriage to talk about sex, to talk about your desires within sex, to talk about your preference with frequency and all of that, especially when you've got young kids and no one's sleeping at night and all of that. All the demands of life, yeah. Scripture just said, don't abstain from it in marriage unless it's agreed upon for a certain time for prayer and fasting. And so in those early years of baby making and no sleep and busyness, even to the point where if it's something that you value, putting it in the calendar so you both have the same expectation at night. Amen. And so the spaghetti plate can get ready for it just as <laughs> yes. much as the waffle already knows where it's going. Does yes. that make sense? All right, yes. So, awesome. So, so as married couples, we need to prioritize sexual intimacy within our marriage and have fun and enjoy one another. That's right. This third thing, we really want to camp out on this one, this, this third point to help us get a handle on sex God's way. Number three is sex is holy. Everyone say holy. Holy. Sex is holy. Holy, holy means set apart. Holy means a cut above the rest. Holy means not common or not casual, right? It's something so special and so sacred for a married couple. Sex is holy. God created it holy. But in our culture, our sex-saturated culture, we, we see the opposite of holy, right? The world says sex is casual, it's permissible uh, in any setting or any field that you desire. If it feels good, do it, right? And, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, stuff, uh, evil stuff behind all of that. We're going to talk about that in a second. But man, we need to get back to the basics of what is sex. Sex is a gift to married couples, and it's holy, we got to treat it as something holy and not something so common, right? Yeah. God says it's holy. It's set apart. There's, um, God made sex, and there's certain ways that it works well, and there's certain ways that it's super destructive. Some more statistics. You know, I think um, if, unless you're living under a rock, you know that we live in a sex-saturated world. Um, the large majority of people have had sexual experiences outside of marriage. Mm-hmm. Statistics say that many people are exposed to pornography as early as the age of 12 or even younger. 60 to 70 percent of men and 50 to 58 percent of pastors and 20 to 30 percent of women in evangelical, evangelical churches are sexually addicted. It's a huge issue. It's a huge issue. Um, so yeah, culture says that sex is casual. There's nothing holy or set apart about it. It's just casual. But God says that it's holy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Culture said that culture says that porn is normal. It's just what everyone God. is doing. But God says, don't even look at a girl with lust. Culture says you're stupid if you get married to someone without ever sleeping with them first. Mm-hmm. But God says to keep the marriage bed undefiled and um, one stat that I didn't share earlier in the stat that talks about how sexual activity is on the de- decline, there is one part of sexuality that's actually on the incline, and it's called rough sex. And there's multiple different reasons why pornography, internet sex, is one of the reasons that sexual activity is on the de- decline, right. even in college campuses, even outside of marriage, because of what's on the internet and what's just a click away. Mm-hmm but also because there's been an increase of rough sex, um, violent sex. And um, it's just so, so demonic, so dark, right? So, de- yeah, it's um, so sometimes when we talk about this topic of sex being holy, mm-hmm. 
Um, we, we know that we're all imperfect people here. Right. And statistics say that, that most of us have had some kind of sexual experience that was unholy. Mm-hmm. And so we bring up this topic and we're aware that as we're talking about this, the enemy would want to bring shame. Right. And oh my gosh, you're such an evil person because X, Y, Z. And that's not our heart at all because we've all missed the mark. We've all... I all never say never always. We talked about that next last week. <laughs> last week, many right. of us many, yeah. have had experiences with sexuality that are unholy, and so we just want to acknowledge this is not the the posture of this is not a shaming Shame or condemnation. Or, yeah, yeah. Like we're we're going to spaces. We were singing this morning that Jesus is the light that pierces the darkness. Right. We're, we're shining light on some dark things this morning and speaking truth in love because God loves every single one of us and wants us to have an incredible relationship with him. And he wants us to win at marriage, which means we have to get the sex thing right too because it's part of the relationship, right? And uh, for just a few moments here, I just want to kind of just be transparent with you and just kind of get down on everybody's level because we know that we all have dealt with something at some level or some degree when it comes to sexual temptation or some sexual things. And we just want to get on the same playing field. We're not experts. We're not perfect. And we've been in the heat of the battle as well. A little bit about our story. You know, I was, uh, I was exposed to pornography at age 12 and became heavily addicted to pornography from 12 to about 18, uh, sorry, 19, 20 years old. Uh, you know, Eric and I were dating um, for five years, and uh, we, we saved ourselves in one aspect of the way, but we, we crossed a whole bunch of other lines sexually that we weren't proud of in that dating season that God helped us redeem. But a uh, lot of you guys know my testimony, my story. I got saved in college, and when I finally put my faith and trust in Jesus, conviction started to happen, and things started to change. I got, got mentored by my college-age pastor, and uh, I got some huge victory in this area of my life when it came to pornography and sexual addiction, Right? Um, and I, 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 I'm just here to tell you, before I got married to Erica, I was not totally 100% free from this. I feel like a lot of couples put all their eggs in the, well, when I get married basket, it will fix it. And how many of y'all know marriage, a spouse, all of that does not fix rooted, deep sexual sin and woundedness and you acting out in that way. Only God, the Holy Spirit, and being well with our soul, like we talked about last month, can really solve and heal and cure why we're acting out in that sexual way, right? And so it brought a lot of hurt, brought a lot of dysfunction, a lot of shock, right? A lot of betrayal, a lot of trauma uh, to our relationship. I want to also testify that, man, God has been faithful and we're all on a journey. And my goodness, we're on the other side of that. And we've been for a while now, praise God. Uh, and, and I'm just speaking as a pastor, like I'm being real with you. Uh, a lot of people will just pretend like they're perfect up here and go on like there ain't no thing. But my goodness, uh, what those desires that you have before Christ don't go away even when you get Christ, right? You have to put to death the members of your flesh and bring it into subjection. And so praise God we're on the other side of it. But we know, we know the pain. We know the dysfunction. We know the heartache and the brokenness that pornography and lust and sexual sin outside of the marriage context brings into our relationship. And yeah. so in, in, in case you didn't know, uh, no perfect people allowed here at Alive, amen? Because we are all on a journey and we're all a work in progress, amen? Yeah, and God's able to redeem and God's able to restore and God's yeah. able to heal and, and make completely new. So regardless of where you're at in your spiritual health, your sexual health, yeah. um, God's able to bring you to a healthier place. Amen. God's able to bring your marriage to a healthier place. We're all a work in progress. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I was, as you were sh- talking, you yeah. know, we oversaw a college-age discipleship program 
for eight years before God called us to start Alive, and part of the application process, it was 18 to 24-year-olds, part of the application process was asking questions about um, these kinds of things, mm-hmm. their ex- exposure to pornography and different ty- things like that. And out of the eight years that we led that um, ministry, I can count on one hand how many men joined the program who had never um, been exposed to it. Mm-hmm. And so we know, we know that it's prevalent and that it's a part of people's struggle and that it's a, a part of things that marriages are overcoming. And so we want to encourage you, you're not alone. You're not God's alone. able to yeah. heal. God's able to restore. Um, God's able to rebuild. Um, and pornography is all around us. You know, it's on social media. It's on our phones. It's a click of a button away for us as adults and for our children. Side note, if you don't have protection on your tablets and on your phones and on your YouTube, on your TV, what's the one that we have? We have uh, Moby Sip. There's a lot. There's yeah. a lot. Reach out to us. But even if your kid us. doesn't know what to look for, it can it find them. them. Yeah, evil finds them. Yeah. Um, and so it's just all around us. You know, back however many years ago, if, if you wanted if you wanted to view that type of content, you'd have to go out of your way to buy the magazine or to rent the DVD or the VHS or whatever it was. Right. Now it's just constantly, like we have to be intentional to not see it just when we're scrolling on our, all the different social media things that we're all on. It's all over. And as believers, we need to not shy away from this topic. Yeah. Um, but we need to lean into the Lord with it. And if you have an unholy past or present experience with sexuality, know that sexual sin is not beyond God's ability to heal and restore and rebuild. There's hope. It's not like, oh yeah, God can forgive and heal all of these other things, but sexual sin, no. If you were part of that, then that's really evil. No. No, Sin is sin. And, and sexual sin is not outside of God's reach. He, he's a healer. He's a redeemer. Amen. So a couple of scriptures again. We're talking about sex is holy, right? A couple of scriptures here just to kind of help paint this picture and the vision and the goal that we all should be striving for. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 5, it says, It is God's will. You want to know what God's will? It's God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And so God desires, it's his will, that we would uh, uh, shy away from some of these, uh, learn to get victory in some of these areas that are perverting sex. And, the, and then the high call of just sex is holy and the marriage bed undefiled, we find that in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. This is kind of a pinnacle strip scripture here today. Hebrews 13, 4 says, marriage should be honored by all. We could stop and preach a whole other message on that. People aren't honoring marriage or the marriage institution in society today. So that has been thrown out the window, right? Marriage should be honored by all. And then it goes on and says, the marriage bed kept pure or the marriage bed kept undefiled. Uh, We like how the message translation reads in Hebrews 13, 4. It says, honor marriage and guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between wife and husband. God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex, right? And so, man, this is so important, right? And and, in the context of marriage, again, we're talking about that. In the context of marriage, that is the only relationship we see God ordained that is strong enough to tame the sexual fires and to help do that in a holy and honorable way, right? But here's the deal that I think a lot of people in culture, even in the church, we get duped. 
our sexual fulfillment and our sexual pleasure, if I'm a believer in Christ, is supposed to come from my spouse and only my spouse with no additives, no extra help from the outside world perverting it. Can I get a good amen on that? Amen. That is so prude and so countercultural, right? But again, we want to stick with the truth of the Word of God, right? And so if, we're, if we want to have a pure marriage bed, if we want to have an undefiled marriage bed, then we're going to have to guard against a bunch of junk from the enemy. Let's just be real. Can I have some real talk for a second? The first thing we got to guard against is lust, right? What did Jesus say about lust? Matthew 5, 28, he says, But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, these can be heavy scriptures, but just so you know, Jesus puts lust on the same level as you actually did the physical act with somebody who's not your spouse. He puts them on the same exact level. Not one is worse than the other, right? So lust is a really big issue, right? we got to guard against all forms of lust in our marriage to keep the bed pure and undefiled, Yeah, and lust, right? to define lust, what is sexually lust? desiring someone yeah. who's not your spouse. It's not that you have to cut out your eyes so you don't see a woman as you walk through the world. You're going you're gonna to see, but there's a difference between a look and a bounce away and a look, a gaze a stare and a, and a lust and a linger and a, an imagination and undressing with your mind and all of that, that crosses the line and that becomes into the lust arena and that's where we can get in trouble, right? And so we need to guard against lust. We need to be careful when we're just mindlessly scrolling at, late at night when our body's tired and our spirit's depleted and we've had a long day and all the stress and all the wounds of our life are colliding with the enemy's open portal to a bunch of jacked up perversion of what sex is supposed to be. We've got to be careful where we're going and where we're allowing ourselves, right? And we've got to be careful against pornography like Erica talked about. Pornography is taking a beautiful thing that God made and perverting it and twisting it and allowing darkness into it, right? And so it's like a drug. Many people that look at porn addicts, their brains are lit up like a cocaine addict, exact same brain scan. It is that powerful, and it's that hard to break in our lives, right? And it, here's what I know from personal experience, and I think a lot of you guys can relate. It will ruin intimacy in your marriage quicker than anything else. It will throw a wet blanket on any type of uh, great sexual intimacy thoughts you had when that has been going on or being allowed to be in that marriage bed, so to speak, right? And so if you're dealing with this, if you're struggling with pornography, we don't want to just address a need and say, good luck, you're on your own. No, we want to help. Like, we want to be a live family church, and we want to help families grow in this area. If you're, if you're specifically a guy in this area, and I know women struggle with this too, but predominantly more of a guy issue, uh, we have a men's crew that meets every other Monday night uh, in the gym. And uh, they're getting into some really good places, and they're having some accountability on some of this stuff and other stuff. Uh, and they're seeing some huge growth and some huge traction in saying no to the world's culture and, and busting loose from that. And so I just want to invite you, that, that's an open invite as we go. Uh, look up the, the men's crew, the Warpath crew, Conquer crew, and uh, get in on that because I really believe that God's got some healing and some victory, right? The other thing that I just want to talk about, and we don't really say this word much at all, let alone in the church, but I'm going to say it because I can because I'm the pastor, masturbation. Masturbation, let's talk about it. If our sexual pleasure and fulfillment is only supposed to come from our spouse and them alone, and masturbation is normally the fruit and the result of forms of lust that we've allowed to roll in around in our mind to get us aroused to a certain place, that would be sin, according to the Bible. Now, a lot of people, some Christians will disagree and all that. Well, if you can masturbate and do that without thinking pure and think pure holy thoughts, then welcome to the 1.000001% of everybody on the planet Earth. But there's going to need to be a little bit of perversion or sexual thought to get you aroused to do that. Masturbation is sex with yourself. It's selfish. And it's less than God's best. God created our bodies. 
He knows how to get stuff out even if we haven't been sexual, we're single, we're dating. He created us. He's got release valves. He, he, we don't, do we need to go back to health class, right? Uh, no, we don't need to. But God created, he knew we would struggle with it and he knew how to help us with that. And so if you're struggling in that area and you're like, I don't know, I've been told by a pastor, spiritual leader, that's fine until I get married, man, that, that, that won't stop once you get married. It's a bad habit and it's an addiction that will then just lead in and cause dysfunction in your marriage bed, right? And so you got to be careful with that. Um, and then uh, Ephesians 5.3 says, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual morality or any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. And so when you say, hey, don't see how close to the line can I get? Let's see how holy we can get. How far away can we run from the slippery slope? Masturbation is a very slippery slope. And then the last thing, real talk, this will talk, this will be self-prude to culture, but relationships with the opposite sex outside of our marriage. Can we talk about this for just a second? If you are married, then you need to have some boundaries with the opposite sex. Can I get an amen on that? Because here's, here's what we believe. This isn't like scripture and verse, but this, this is just to protect you, right? As Paul said, this is, this is my recommendation, not the Lord's, but it probably would do you well, right? He does it often in scriptures in the, in the New Testament. Having a close, intimate relationship and conversations with members of the opposite sex if you're married, that is dangerous, Right? That is dangerous. That's a gateway drug, right? If, if we're married, we don't DM or personal message or personal text a member of the opposite sex alone, right? And if we do that, we have a culture here. Our staff knows it. Anytime I email a female staff member, Erica's CC'd on it. Do they need to know? Do their nose need to be in that? No. I just want to be fully transparent and accountable. I don't need any side secret conversations with anybody that's not my wife. Amen? Because here's what I know. If you play with fire, you will get burnt. And it's a slippery slope, right? We don't need to flirt and be overly friendly with members of the opposite sex. Again, not trying to shame and condemn, just trying to talk real talk this morning and say, hey, if we want a holy, pure, undefiled marriage bed, that would be a marriage that's thriving emotionally, physically, spiritually, intimacy on all levels. I believe God's best. That is God's will for our relationships. We want all relationships here at Alive to be experiencing that on a whole nother level. Come on, somebody. Because when that's healthy, our kids turn out healthy. Uh, you know, we can populate the next generation. We can raise them up. Man, there's so much strength when we do sex right God's way, but we got to be careful of the traps of can the Can I on that a little bit? You can. Go ahead. Like, like, just super practical. Like, we're not talking about, like, avoiding the opposite sex. Yeah, we're not like, like oh my gosh, just post, another girl. If you like, post something about your kid that's cute on Instagram, yeah. and you're the opposite sex, you might get a like or a ha-ha, oh, that's totally. funny. Like, we're not, yeah, we're or not, if you need to know how to pick up or, you know, practical stuff. Right. Yeah, text opposite sex and your spouse doesn't always have to be on it. But we're talking about, like, relationships and inside jokes and mm -hmm. soul connections, um, through yeah. a private communication that your spouse isn't a part of. Yeah, it's important. What, what scriptures say in Proverbs 5.15, if you need help with this, if you've been kind of more loose on all these relationships outside of your marriage, Proverbs 5.15 says, drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well. There's plenty of people controlled by the enemy out there, even good loving people that are not motivated by God. They're motivated by the enemy and they're thirsty for other things and they're thirsty for you. Drink water from your own well. Amen. And look for water from your own cistern because all of these things, pornography, lust, opposite relationships, uh, with, relationships with the opposite sex outside of our marriage, they're all gateway drugs to infidelity in our marriage. 
right? You don't just wake up one day in bed with somebody else that you never, no, there was emotional connection, there was DMs, there was some conversation, there's something that happened along the way that was never checked to get you to that place. So if you just stay away from those things, you start to safeguard your marriage. And again, the whole goal is marriage and sex is holy, it's set apart, and we want it to be pure and undefiled. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Wow, that was heavy, right? Because the goal is a transparent marriage. Secrets will kill your marriage. Secrets will keep your marriage sick. But God said in Genesis 2.25, they were both naked and they weren't ashamed. All of them, physically, spiritually, emotionally, was full out in front of the other. And there was no like, ah, I don't want you really to know about that. It was fully out there. That is the ultimate goal. And it'll take us trying really hard and with, by God's grace, before Jesus cracks those clouds, to get to that level here on this side of heaven. But my gosh, we're going to try, amen? Mm -hmm. Because the beauty and the anointing's in that place, right? And so here's what you guys have probably concluded as we've been talking today. A holy and undefiled marriage and marriage bed will look really different from a marriage in the world. Some of your best friends that maybe aren't churched and how they do marriage in life, how they do sex, how they talk about all this stuff will be radically different than what we have displayed today. And and what we have to get to in our heart is, my gosh, Do we want to do it the world's way or do we believe that there's blessing when we do it God's way? And if we're single or if you're dating right now, we understand this is really hard to talk about because you're like, forget you guys. You can can fix the burning. Paul said in Corinthians, if you're burning, get married, right? But obviously make sure it's the right one. Don't get married just for sex. Come on, somebody. But if you are driving and you're going that way and you got a vision and God's doing some stuff, hey, that might be in your future, right? But you got to learn how to control your temple here, whether you get that or not. Sex isn't the essence of marriage. It's the cherry on top. Physical, uh, physical intimacy is the cherry on top. Spiritual and emotional intimacy, I'd focus on those, right? And let the reward be of, in the, in the context of a marriage relationship, where the fires of lust and passion and all of that intimacy can be tamed. That is the only relationship on this planet Earth that can tame that. And so we don't we don't, we don't recommend that us dating, if we're not married, to go try that out. You don't, here, let, a, let a pastor tell you this. You don't need to test drive the car before you buy it. All right? Because that, that's what the world says, right? The statistics that we didn't share with you is Christians who have a monogamous relationship that are committed to only one have the best sex out of anybody else on this planet. Statistics, brain scans, you name it, can prove it. You can go Google it and look it up. They're happier within the context of a Christian, Christ-centered marriage. And so, man, that is our goal. That is our heart, right? And we have to choose to fight for sex God's way. And I always used to look at it when I was dating her and I wasn't really down with the Lord. I was like, this is such a buzzkill. Like the Bible and God and Jesus, I don't want that. It's a bunch of do's and don'ts, a bunch of law and regulation. No, Jesus came to set us free from that and fulfill it. How many of you guys know God's way is the best way? Amen? And if we have faith and trust in that, he wrote the book on it. He put the nerve endings. He created the big O. He, he figured it all out and made it on purpose for a purpose. So when we do it right, when, he, when we do it according to his instruction manual, it's blessed. It's holy. It's pleasurable. It's fulfilling. When we go and drink water from other cisterns that aren't ours to see, when we go start stealing images of people and bodies that aren't ours to take, and we start doing that and perverting sex, that's where it gets dysfunctional. And that's where woundedness, addiction, betrayal, pain, and all of that gets layered on. Not to mention some of us that you grow up and you're sexually abused, but now you're trying to be intimate with your spouse. We understand there's so many layers to this topic of sex. But when we let God in, when we allow the Holy Spirit to say, 
This is truth. And the Bible says the truth will set you free. We can have a new level of sexual intimacy and and relationship with our spouse that we've never even dreamed of. I believe it's possible. I believe God wants to do some powerful things. Amen. So good. And so what's our discussion? What's our homework this week? Yeah. Just FYI, I think this is, we did a a relationship series back at Howell. Yeah. I don't know that we got this specific, but but for the eight years that we did college age ministry, we talked about like, we talked about this like every day. We talked about this a lot. And so we're not uncomfortable talking about this. And thank you guys for leaning in. But the big discussion question this morning is how are you keeping the marriage bed pure? So good. Whether you're married or whether you're single, whatever season of life you're in, we can have actions, Mm -hmm. we can have thoughts, we can have behaviors that are helping keep the marriage bed pure. So good. So just a great question to ask yourself. Yeah. how How am I on a daily, weekly, monthly, routine basis, how am I honoring marriage and keeping the marriage bed pure? Um, Mm -hmm. And then also for husbands and wives to talk about this together. How are we both doing collectively of keeping our marriage bed pure? So good. So sex God's way is the best way. Yes, it is. Amen. Maybe remember that sex is God's idea. He knew what he was doing. He's the creator of it. He knows how it works best. Sex is a form of intimacy. It's the glue for a husband and a wife together. And then sex is holy. It's set apart. It's, it's counterculture how the world, world speaks of what sex is. Amen. We could talk about so much more, but today let's close with our hearts postured and surrendered to the Lord and let the Holy Spirit minister us wherever we need ministering to when it comes to this topic. Would you guys join me as we pray and close? Heavenly Father, we, just, we love you so much. And uh, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. Your word is a lamp to our feet and it's a light to our path. It shows us the way to go. It leads us to truth. And we know that your truth is what ultimately sets us free. And so, Father God, in the midst of our married relationships that is represented here, Father, we want to honor you and do sex your way. Lord God, help us remember the sanctity of it, the beauty of it, that you created it, that you know how it works best. You know the right context it works best. Help us be obedient and follow that. Lord God, help us understand that sex is important to our marriages. That it's not just, a, well, we did that in that season we used to, but, but we don't anymore. No, it's, it's, it's the triangle of intimacy, physical, emotional, and spiritual. And if one's weak, then the relationship isn't as strengthened as it should. It's glue that binds us together and solidifies that commitment, that relationship, and also shows how Christ loves the church, the world, by that intimate relationship. Father, help us engage in that, have some conversation, some real talk, in this next season of our marriages about what that looks like and and how to incorporate that, make that a part of our relationship. And Father, number three, help us honor marriage. Like it said in Hebrews 13, four, may we all marriage, may we all honor marriage and may the marriage bed or the marriage or the sexual relationship be pure and be undefiled. Father, we ask you for a wave of purity to cleanse our souls, our minds, our bodies. Lord God, we ask you for forgiveness from the things and the mistakes and the the things we've looked at, the things we've done, the the emotional adultery that we've had with other people that aren't 
our spouses, Lord God, the, the imaginations we've allowed to run when they shouldn't. Father, we, we ask you in the mighty name of Jesus to heal us and forgive us and, and cleanse us of those things, Father. We know that when we ask you for it, you do it, and you're not beating us over the head, and you're not mad at us. You love us. You want what's best for us. We believe there's deeper relationship with you on the other side of being obedient to your way when it comes to sex and intimacy in this fashion. And Lord, I want to specifically pray for those that maybe are single. You're dating or you want to be dating. You want to find that spouse or that mate. You haven't found them yet and you're struggling with sexual sin or sexual pain or sexual abuse or things that have happened from your past or things that are going on in your present. And Father God, I ask for new waves of strength new waves of boldness to stand against culture and to take a stand for sex and sexuality God's way, not the world's way. Lord, I pray that we would not lower the bar on our sexual expectations, but we would raise it up to your expectations. And Father God, I pray that you would meet us in the deepest, darkest, painful experiences that we've experienced or maybe even are going through right now, broken, dysfunctional relationships, Sexual intimacy is the only intimacy you're experiencing with this relationship, Lord. When it's out of balance, Lord, I just pray for your healing hand to reach into those hearts. And Father God, to rebuild and to restore and to make a fresh and a new, a heart that burns for you and a heart that will never settle for less than your best, Father. Father, we praise you and we thank you that you can go to those places and you can do the impossible. We pray that as we become healthy sexually, Lord God, Lord, that, that, that health would spill out into every other area of our lives. And so, Father God, we thank you that we can only do this and only live in this way with your mercy and your beauty and your grace. And so, Father, we receive that by faith right now. Every marriage relationship going to a new depth and a new intimacy in this level. Every single, every engaged, every dating going to a new level of boldness and self-control in their flesh until they put a ring on it, until they commit before the Lord to do this, Lord God, that they could abstain and receive the blessing that there is in that in their singleness season, Father God. We praise you and we thank you that you are God, we are not. And you know how it works and we don't. And so we trust you. And for some of us, it's just faith. We don't understand it. We don't like it. Our flesh don't like it. But Lord, we trust you. And we know when we believe and we trust you, all things are possible to those who believe. And so, Father God, we thank you for renewing us and restoring us and breathing fresh life and fresh intimacy in our marriage relationships, Father God. And Lord, we ask you and receive it by faith. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Everybody agreed, said. Amen.